you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. I'm going to read from two scriptures this morning, Isaiah 53, Hebrews chapter 9. And we're going to see what the Lord has to say to us this morning from his word. I'm going to preach from an old, old subject this morning. And... Um, if you're new around the church today, this is a subject that's been preached for many, many years, and I, I want to I want to do the subject justice this morning because you can't preach about the blood of Jesus without something being stirred deep in your spirit. Understand what a great price that He paid. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Before I get into the word of the Lord today, I do want to say again how thankful I am to have um, my folks up from Texas visiting. It is always, always an honor. I cherish every moment that I get to spend, and it's, it's special this morning. I have to be honest, it feels awkward sometimes for me to be here and for my dad to be there. Um, it's, I, I grew up with it in reverse order. He was here and, and I was right there about where Brother Ron and Brother Phil sits because that's where my mom sat. And I grew up playing cars under, under the church pew right there. Amen. I'm glad to have them with me. And I don't know if I officially ever welcomed destiny, but we're glad that she's here with us this morning, and she's up from Texas, and we're glad she's here. I know Gentry's especially glad she's here today, but we're glad she's here too, because she takes Gentry off of our hands. Lord, have mercy. Woo. Woo. Hebrews chapter 53, verses 4 and 5, surely he hath borne our griefs carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted verse 5 but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 and almost all things are by law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. I'm going to preach this morning about the cleansing blood. Lord, we need your help today. Lord, I want to do justice as I speak of this wonderful price that you paid for us. I pray this morning that your word, through your spirit this morning, speaks to every heart and every mind and every life. And God, that lives are touched and changed by the power of your word. Thank you for the awesome price you paid for us by shedding your blood, your cleansing blood. And we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. What can wash 
away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You can put me in the right key, Dylan. Oh, precious is the flow. Come on, sing it with me. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious, come on, just your voices, is the flow that makes me white as no other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. With those words, the writer of Hebrews let us know that the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can cover our sin. Because of that, many millions of gallons of blood were shed in the Old Testament to cover sins and to bring people into fellowship with God. Shed blood was the basis of the entire sacrificial system <coughs> Excuse me, of the Old Testament. The complexity of the sacrificial system of the Old Testament is staggering. If for a moment... We set aside the personal sacrificial offerings that were made by individuals and considered only the sacrifices that were made by the priests. For the whole nations of Israel, the numbers of sacrifices is simply mind-boggling. Every single day, the priest offered a sacrificial lamb. One in the morning and a lamb in the evening was sacrificed on the altar. On the Sabbath day, two additional lambs were offered. In addition to the Sabbath, there were seven high days throughout the year that required an additional two lambs to be sacrificed for each of them. Then there were the feast days. There was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And it was seven days long and required the additional offerings of 14 bulls, 7 rams, 49 lambs, 7 goats, all sacrificed over the course of a week. Their blood was shed. The Feast of Tabernacles spanned for seven days and required 70 bulls, 14 rams, 98 lambs, and seven goats. The Feast of New Moons, Weeks, Trumpets, and the Day of Atonement, which we just passed this past week, accounted for an additional seven bulls. Five rams, 29 lambs, and four goats. The total number of animal sacrifices made in the course of just one year for one nation of Israel. As a whole, not including the individual offerings made by each family, was a minimum of 1,164 animals every single year had to be killed and their blood shed for hundreds and hundreds of years. 
That's a lot of blood. Why the animals? What did a ram, a goat, or a bull have to do with the sins of people? The animals had done no wrong. They had no guilt. The whole Old Testament sacrificial plan relied on substituting a sinless sacrifice in the place of a sinful man. Since the animals did no wrong, they could die in the place of people who had committed horrible wrongs. The blood of the sacrifice was innocent blood, and only innocent blood could cover the sins for the guilty. Do you see where we're going today? The animals became a substitute. They died in the place of those who were truly guilty. Their lives represented a meaningful sacrifice. Every time an innocent lamb lost its life, a guilty man could walk free. But here is the problem. An animal was in an, an inadequate sacrifice. Although their blood atoned sin, it only atoned sin for a temporary space of time. It temporarily satisfied the judgment of sin. It was an imperfect sacrifice, an animal, as precious as it may have been, as innocent as it may have been, as special as it may have been, is not the same as the blood of a man and the blood of bulls and of goats or spotless lambs could never fully atone for the sins of humanity. That's the wonder, ladies and gentlemen, of the cross. Because the blood of animals could not atone for sin and because there was no innocent man who could step in to lay down his life for the sins of humanity. God himself, the God of heaven, created himself a body. He came in the form of flesh, in his own likeness. He was God, yet he was the Son of God. He was flesh and blood, yet he was the eternal God of glory. Everything that makes God who he is, all the fullness of the Godhead was in Jesus Christ. He was fully God and he was fully man. As a man, he was tempted in all points, just like as we are. But unlike every other man, Jesus remained without sin. No man alone could have done it, but he did it because he was God incarnate. He was God made flesh. This second Adam was, the, was heaven's answer to sin's problem. He who did no wrong. There was no charge that could ever be made against him because of that he alone could go to the cross as the spotless lamb, the sinless lamb, the perfect lamb, the righteous lamb, the true God of glory manifest in the flesh could go to an old rugged cross and could die for the sins of man. He and he alone could atone for sin from then to eternity. He died instead of you and I. What an awesome price he paid for us. That's why the scripture says in 1 Timothy, the second chapter that Jesus Christ gave himself a ransom for all. Nobody took his life, but the Bible said he laid it down. His innocent blood was shed in order to pay the ransom for my sin and for you. For my guilt was laid upon his innocence, and he took my guilt 
to the cross. Can I tell you this morning, that's why that we can stand this morning and declare there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus that walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. It is because the spotless Lamb stepped in line ahead of me and said, I'll go to the cross for His stead. Oh, I should have died for my own sin. I should have died for my own wrongdoing. But He said, I'll make a way for you. I'll atone for your sin. I'll let you go free and I'll become sin for you. Jesus gave himself ransom for all. His innocent blood was shed in order to pay the ransom for my sin and for yours. The scripture said he who knew no sin was made to become sin so that we could become righteous. It was nothing but the cleansing blood of Jesus. When you think you're holy and you think you're righteous and you think you're perfect and you think you're without sin, you need to look away to the cross. You need to look away to the spotless lamb of Jesus and understand he is the only one who knew no sin. I know sin. I am weak and frail and human. But the spotless lamb stepped in line in front of me and said I'm going to pay it forward I'm going to pay the debt that he owes don't put it to his account but put it to mine I'll go to the cross of Calvary no more lambs needed no more rams needed no more bulls needed I'll go to the cross I'll pay the price and I'm doing it for him at no cost because I love him so Oh, what a sacrifice. And oh, what a Savior. One sinless man was nailed to a timeless cross and one final eternal offering for sin was made. He became righteousness. His blood did what the blood of an innumerable host of animal sacrifices would never be able to do. His blood covered the sins that the blood of innocent animals could never, ever sacrifice. That's why there's no more a need for animal sacrifice. He became our sacrifice. He became sin for us. He became the single perfect sacrifice. He was the culmination of the sacrificial system. He didn't come to abolish. He didn't come to destroy. He didn't come to end the law through destruction. But He came to fulfill the law through obedience. It was the obedience of Jesus to the death of the cross. He stepped up and said, I didn't come to destroy what million, what thousands of years men have been, have been doing to atone sin. But I will step up to the plate and I will become the ultimate sacrifice and be the fulfillment of law. That's why there's no more the need for a blood sacrifice. There's no more blood required because the one time trip to Calvary by our God and Savior by our Lord Jesus Christ paid the price atoned for sin made a way his sacrifice made all the others whole and complete Jesus was the hope of every man or woman who ever offered uh, who ever, ever offered a sin offering unto God he made a way for us so that now we do not have to go through a sacrifice, but we go through the sacrifice. 
because today it was, then it was the sacrifice of the Lamb that allowed the doorway into the glory of God. Today it is still the sacrifice of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, that is the door into the throne room and into the glory of God. The Lamb is the only way to get into the glory. Jesus said, I am the door and no man can get to the Father except he comes by me. There is no, he can't climb up any other way. He can't get in any other way. There's but one way to get to heaven. There's but one way to get to the Father and it is through Christ Jesus. He is our atonement. He is our righteousness. He is our wholeness. He made a way when I couldn't make it for myself. He paid a price that I couldn't pay for myself. And when he sees me, he sees me through a veil of the blood that was shed on Calvary. When he shed his blood, he took our place. We now can go free. He died so we could go free. Just like the lamb was taken so that the family could live in freedom for a year. Jesus went to the cross so that we can live in freedom for a lifetime. Without condemnation. Without a yoke of bondage. Without knowing I got to deal with this sin again. He paid a price he did not owe. We owed a debt that we could not pay. The prophet Isaiah looked through the portals of time. And saw the Lamb of God. In his own poetic style of writing. He said "Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ. Surely. He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. There is the wonder of the cross, ladies and gentlemen. He took our place. He paid the price for our sins. He bore our grief. He carried our sorrow. The heavy burden of our guilt was laid upon Him. And He carried it without complaint. The weight of our transgressions and iniquity was transferred onto his own shoulders. And he carried our sin to an old rugged cross. He shouldered the load for you and I. He bore our grief. He carried our sorrow. He carried the pain that we feel. He carried the burden. When you feel stressed out, look away to Jesus. He carried that stress for you. When you feel under the load, look away to Jesus. He carried the load for you. When you feel dirty and filthy, just look away to Jesus. He, he carried that for you. He's already paid the price. The prophet goes on to say, yet, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He suffered, but we still sinned. He suffered and we still sin. He suffered and we still sin against heaven. He was stricken, but we were the ones responsible for the grief and the sorrow that he carried. He was the one who was innocent. We were the one who was guilty. When you look away to Jesus and see him on his way carrying a cross up Golgotha's hill, it wasn't his cross that he was carrying. It was our cross. It wasn't his burden he was carrying. It was our burden. It wasn't his pain to pay. It was our pain. It wasn't his, it wasn't his grief he was bearing. It was our grief. It wasn't his load to bear, but he did it for us. It was ours. He, it was us that was supposed to go to the cross and be crucified, but he went to the cross in our place. <coughs> Excuse me. Isaiah goes on to say, but he was wounded 
for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities. The meaning here in this text is even a bit watered down in translation. When we think of what that means to be wounded, we think of bodily harm, but not necessarily a deadly encounter. Wounded men still walk off of battlefields. Many times they live to fight again. But the Hebrew word used that Isaiah used here was a much stronger word. According to Kill and Delich commentary on the Old Testament, there was no stronger term found in the whole Hebrew language to indicate a violent and excruciatingly painful death. The point is here that he was wounded for our transgressions. That means every time that you sin against him, against your brother or against your own flesh, he was wounded for those sins. I've had people say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know how ugly my life has been. I don't know if he could ever save me. You need a visit to the cross. He was wounded for every mistake you make. But he was bruised. They took and beat him. And they whipped him. And they hurt him. They put wounds in his body. They pierced his side. They beat him with the cat of nine tails 39 times. He took stripes upon his back. He was spat upon and mocked. He was hit and beaten and bruised and battered and torn. But he did it because he knew you were going to make mistakes. But not only just little mistakes. Not only your general wrongdoings. But he was bruised for our iniquities. The word iniquity here is a very harsh Harsh word. The word iniquity speaks to the most grotesque, the most intentional, the most knowing sin of man. When you do it knowing that God sees and knowing that it's wrong. Knowing that you are sinning against God, against heaven, against your family, against yourself, against your brother, against the world. Whatever it is that you do, he was bruised. For those iniquities. The word iniquity deals with the harshest. The most violent. The most vicious of sin. I know we hate the sinner. We hate the thought of certain sins. Murders and whoremongers. And those who abuse children. And we look away. And we say there's no opportunity for them. But I come this morning to tell you that he was bruised. Does it make the sin any less? Absolutely not. Pastor, are you against the punishment of their sin? Absolutely not. But I'm telling you, there's hope for the salvation of their soul. Because my Bible said that when we sin, we have an advocate. With the Father. And his name is Jesus Christ. The righteous one. And he is the propitiation for our sin. That means when the world is casting judgment. That means when the world is picking up stones. That means when the world says they need to die. We have someone. He, his name is Jesus. He is our advocate. He runs into the middle of the courtroom. He jumps in front of us. He throws out his hands. And he says, look at the bruises. Look at the wounds. Look at the stripes. Look at the tattered, torn body that is hanging on a cross. I did it so that his soul could be saved. Oh, what a Savior! He didn't deserve it. 
but he was bruised for our, everybody say mine, from my wrongdoings, my iniquities. When Isaiah said he was bruised, he was saying that he was subjected to a crushing force, an incredibly intense pressure. That quite literally broke his human body. Yet the word of God teaches us that not a bone in his body was broken. No other human could have withstood. He endured it. He endured the cross, the Bible said. Despising the shame. He endured it because he knew that you and I would need a Savior. It was our sins that put him through it. It was my sins that put him through it. It was my transgressions. It was our lawlessness, lawlessness our wrongdoings, our rebellions that put him on the cross. He alone of all the men who ever lived he was innocent. But we we were guilty. He alone was without spot and without blemish. Yet he suffered the horror of the cross. Because of our iniquities. It was not his transgressions and his iniquities. But ours that caused him to suffer such a cruel and a painful death. Why? Why would he endure such? The chastisement. Of our peace was upon him. My peace, your peace. That's why that your life ought to not be filled with chaos. Because He paid the price to give you peace. 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 Wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above. Paid for on the cross. Given to you and I freely. So that we can live in peace. This peace is not peace in this world. It's not even peace. around you but this peace is a settling peace in your mind and in your spirit that in the midst of the most chaotic times of life peace where do you find that peace only I find my glory in the power of the cross. Let it be said of me in every victory, my source of strength, my source of hope is in Christ 
alone. In Christ alone, I place my trust. How do I live in peace in the midst of chaos? Because I have a Savior. Who before I lose my mind said I'm going to go to the cross. Who before I lose my nerves, he said, I'll go to the cross so that you can walk in peace. That's why you don't have to have a nervous breakdown today. That's why you don't have to lose your mind when you go through hell on earth. I came today to tell you he went to the cross to give you peace in your mind, peace in your spirit, peace in your home, peace in your family, peace in your spirit. Peace, peace, wonderful. Peace paid for. My transgressions caused him to be wounded. My iniquities caused him to be bruised. All of the chastisement that he went through was for my peace. The prophet said it so beautifully. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He did it all so that I could walk free. That is the entire, what the entire sacrificial system was all about. The years and years of sacrifice had only one purpose. It was about making it possible for sinful humans to have fellowship with a holy God. The sacrifices of innocent animals did not have the power to take away the curse of sin. Only to roll the sin ahead to deal with again and again and again. But Jesus came so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. That means I can have life this year, but I don't have to deal with it at the end of the year. He's not the tax man that said it's going to roll around again every year. He said, I'll step in and pay it once and for all. Why did all the animals have to die? i tell you why. Because it was a temporary covering of innocent blood. That allowed sinful men to enter into fellowship with the holy God. It was a temporary covering. But it looked ahead to a final lasting sacrifice that would be made. The whole sacrificial system of the sacrificing of lambs was looking ahead to God's eternal plan for mankind. I'm going to let them sacrifice enough lambs and shed enough blood that they're going to get sick of sacrificing lambs and shedding blood before eventually I'm going to come in and become the spotless lamb and I'll sacrifice blood once and for all. It was a temporary covering, but it looked toward a final sacrifice. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. People start trying to make all kind of Trinitarian doctrines. Out of that you're missing the whole boat ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) We have peace with God. Through the man Christ Jesus. What a sacrifice. Before the cross. The very best that we could do. Was to atone for our sins. Was a temporary imperfect offering but now by the blood of the lamb we can have peace with God our peace is not only a peace in this world 
to walk in troubled times. But it is to resolve the conflict between God and man that started in the garden. Because they were in perfect harmony until sin came. And sin broke the relationship and Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden. And now there is conflict between God and man. But now Jesus Christ comes and he says, I came to bridge the gap and restore the peace between God and man. That's why the words of Isaiah are so incredible. The chastisement of our peace was upon him is more than did you have a good day? Did you walk in peace today? It is did you have a good life? Did you walk a peaceful life? Because Jesus said you don't have to just do it for a day and deal with it again tomorrow. But he said I come that you can have that life and the life more abundantly. Notice the reversal. It was our transgression that caused him to be wounded. Our righteousness that caused him to be bruised. It was his chastisement that brought our peace. Did you get that? It was our transgressions that caused him to be wounded. It was our iniquities that caused him to be bruised. It was his chastisement. That said, by the way, I'm going to toss in a little bonus. I'm going to let you walk in peace. So I'm going to pay for something that is not even a debt to you. It was broken a long time ago so a sacrificial system would have to go through. But Jesus came and said I'm ending it all and I'm also going to throw in peace to boot. If your life is full of chaos, He came to give you peace. He came to give you life. He came to turn your life around. What a tremendous thing. An amazing change can be brought in your life. Our transgressions, our iniquities, and now we can have peace with God. Now, we no longer have to live under the dark shadow of our past. We don't have to live every day constantly reminded of our failures and shortcomings. That's what men do to us. We've all sinned, and we've all come short of the glory of God. The knowledge of our failures calls us to feel ashamed. Particularly when we are exposed to His greatness and His glory. But it doesn't have to be that way. That's why Paul says in Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation. That word condemnation is legal guilt because you're guilty. (laughs) But now... You don't have to live under the weight of knowing, oh, look at all this trouble I've caused. Look at all the mess I've been in. Look at all the junk. We no longer have to live dragging our past behind us. But now we can live in fullness of life going, he covered all that. There is therefore now no history book. There is therefore now no history book about my past. Oh, you don't believe that, do you? He took the ordinances of sin. An ordinance is a handwritten note. He took the ordinance of sin that was against us. I remember when they did this. I remember when they did that. I remember. Oh, we remember. Our memories serve well when we did this, when we did that, when they did that. When the. But he took the handwriting. I'm in the Word of God this morning. Of ordinances that were against us. He took it out of the way. Dylan, run up here and take this out of the way. I see it, but he came and he took it out of the way. And he nailed it to his cross. 
There's no history book. His blood cleansed it. His blood paid for it. His blood took it away. Oh, somebody ought to give God a shout of praise because you don't have to look every day at your past. Look every day at your wrong. He took it out of the way. Therefore now, no condemnation. How? Stand with me if you'd like. How, how, Pastor? How do I get to this no condemnation thing? The scripture says that when we repent, that he is faithful and just to forgive sin. All manner of sin. He's faithful and just to forgive sin. So repentance is a turning away. Repentance, the Bible says godly sorrow worketh repentance or it brings about repentance. Repentance is more than just crying. Repentance is more than just getting caught. Repentance is more than just admitting. But it may be all of those things, but repentance really is a decision of the heart and mind and saying, God, I'm sorry for my sins, but I'm making a decision to turn. Truly the word repent means about face. It means I'm going this direction. I'm turning around and going in the opposite way no longer planning to go down the road that I was on, but I'm starting over. When we repent, He's faithful and just to forgive. But then our text comes into play here because according to Acts chapter 2, when we repent, the scripture says we are to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now a lot of people are baptized because they don't fully understand the scripture and understand clearly that the way you were baptized is incredibly important. Nowhere in scriptures do you find where people were baptized any other way. You can't find it in scripture where people were baptized any other way than calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself said, Go ye therefore into all nations, Matthew 28, 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What is the name of the Father? What is the name of the Son? What is the name of the Holy Spirit? So therefore we are baptized calling on the name of Jesus. That's the pattern of Scripture. All through the Scripture, when they were baptized, they baptized them calling on the name of Jesus. There's no other formula ever in baptism. All through the Scripture, baptism always happened calling on the name of Jesus. There's a reason. Because when you call on the name, you're invoking the blood. So you're calling for the blood of Jesus. The scripture said without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. That was our text this morning. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 says, For us to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission. See the name? For remission. Our text today said that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So therefore, when you repent, God forgives you. But when we take you down in water baptism, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's more than just going down dry and coming up wet, but you're going down in the name. 
we are calling for the blood of Jesus to wash and cleanse. And when we bury you in water baptism, you are being washed by the blood of Jesus through faith. And so when you come up out of that water, the blood of Jesus, see, it's more than public confession. It is the blood, there is a heavenly glorious work of the blood that is washing away sin when you come up out of that water your sins are remitted Acts chapter 2 verse 38 says we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin so therefore the remission the removal and the stoppage of sin it is over it is done Our past is behind us. So when you come out of the water, not only are your sins forgiven and you've turned over a new leaf and you go forward, but the guilt that is associated with the sins of your past, they stay right there in the water because the cleansing blood of Jesus washes those away. You no longer have to look back because when he went to the cross, Jesus came and grabbed the handwriting of ordinance that was against you. And he said, "Uh uh-uh. When they go down in water baptism in the name of Jesus, it's gone. It's no longer to be remembered. No longer. It's behind them. You come up a new creature in Christ Jesus to live a new life. He gives a promise of the infilling of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to walk in newness of life, in freedom of life. I challenge you this morning, if you've never repented, today is your day. If you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, today is your day. If you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, today is your day. This is the day of salvation. His blood still flows. His blood still cleanses. Come on, throw your hands in the air all over the room this morning and begin to magnify the name of the Lord. Maybe somebody feels to respond to this message today. You want to step from where you are and step forward and say, Pastor, I'm coming today to declare the blood of Jesus still cleanses. The blood of Jesus is flowing through my life. Baptize you this morning. His precious blood is here for you today.